you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. Hello everyone, welcome to Non-Canon Falls number 36. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today is my chrysanthemum co-host. My name Colt, and I'm here to watch anime in the fall season. Yep, we, we got a gruesome twosome for you. It's me and Colt today, first sign combination. And we're going to break down five of the fall anime season's biggest series. Now, of course, this isn't by any means an exhaustive list. It's just five that we happen to choose for discussion because the, the fall lineup for this year is huge. And it's there's a lot to choose from. But we have, I think, a nice little sampling of the overall season because if to, to try to do everything it would just be really like a four or five hour show it's just as many different stuff that's come out this season and also we kind of have a confession we kind of didn't make uh we didn't plan ahead that well this uh, time around we usually plan like a month ahead of the anime releasing i forgot yeah, and, and plus, like, we've had a lot going on personally this month, so this is a, a bit of a last-minute show, but at the same time, it, it gave us more time to look into what was out there, I would say. That's true. Whenever I made the list, I uh, purposefully avoided the ones that were actually doing very badly. <laughs> the I, I say the cream has risen to the crop a little bit, so we'll go ahead and get started. First series we'll be talking about today... Released on Monday, September 16th, is currently streaming on Funimation. It is called Heike Monogatari, or the Heike Story. It's a, it's a story that takes place in ancient Japan, where a young child with psychic powers is adopted into a, a rich family, and with the political intrigue involved. Uh, what, what do you think of uh, the Heike Story, Colt? I, uh, I really enjoyed it right from the get-go. I think uh, Science Saru, the... Uh studio that uh masaki yuasa is the head of did an amazing job when it comes to style and the animation just immediately sucking me in yeah because um one of the biggest eye catches for me is how it's not done in like a in, it's sort of like a traditional anime style the art style is he used more closely to like the ukiyo-e and like historical Japanese art of the era, like of the feudal times of Japan. And and not only does it sort of emulate that style artistically for the show, but also it really shows the, the disparity of that time from just like the deeply uh, crushing poverty to the lavish lives of, of the uh, affluent because the main character, there are sort of like these wandering pilgrims almost they have no home and it's a child and their father and they're sort of they see violence that's perpetrated by like the, the ruling class the Heike clan and the child sort of 
speaks out of turn about how brutal and like unfair the clan is and the father sort of takes the punishment for that child speaking out and they're killed by sort of the the strong men of the Heike clan which you know it's like it's really sort of sobering and shocking that something benign like benign criticism is taken as a grievous crime yeah just straight up uh, the little girl was like they can't treat this man like that so she said a small thing like that's not cool it's not good and then they were gonna kill her but uh the father stepped in and he's like all right you're gonna have to pay for your daughter oh you're blind i don't care you're gonna have to pay yeah they just split him straight down the middle and then after that the story cuts ahead to uh like this big sort of celebration of like the hey k elite like all these different members of their families celebrating their like wealth and political standing because in this story a disproportionate amount of the government and ruling parties are all members of the hey k clan so basically in a manner of speaking this one family controls so much of the political sway in the country and they're sort of just like living in the rich life but there's one particular member shigamori who seems to be a bit at odds with the rest of his family how like they're, they're very boastful and prideful of their affluence, and he seems to be a bit turned off by how well they seem to be reveling in their privilege. Yeah. He he sort of, he sort of like, excuses himself from the party, and he sees the young girl sitting on, like, their... Like, on their property, and he sort of, like, asks her what she's doing. And she's playing a biwa-biwa, the little instrument. Yeah, the, the four-stringed... Um, guitar-like instrument to be while well, and because that's what her and her father did for money they would like play music for change essentially uh, but but when she says your your family will fall into ruin that sort of gives a way that she has this psychic ability is that she can see into the future even though it's by her father's like express wishes that she'd never sort of visit the future and sort of like use her powers but Chigamori in, in a moment of grief realizing that it was his family and his family's like employees that essentially killed her father and out of like a moment of sympathy because he himself has psychic powers because he cause they both have heterochromia blue eye in the right eye and a, and a brown eye in the left because he can see the spirits of the dead and it's kind of implied that a lot of the dead are by the Heike clan's hands. So he sort of adopts her into the family, much to the consternation of the rest of the family. He's like, ooh, this little gross kid is like little fleas popping on her head. She can't live in this house. Yeah, and they're like, ooh, you dress like a boy? I could not tell you what was traditional uh, Japanese clothing for a boy or a girl at this time was, because I-, I just didn't know. Yeah, like, it, it, obviously, if you're, like, not in, <laughs> informed of what ancient Japanese culture looked like and the, the gender uh, clothes, it, it'd be kind of hard to tell you. Just, okay, sure, I guess that's how boys dressed then. But uh, the father sort of, like, raised the child as a boy, I guess, as a way to, like, keep her more safe. Because the child doesn't even have a name. Like, her father never really addressed her as such. She just... She took the name of Biwa, which is the name of the instrument that she plays. So that's the name she's taken for herself. And she does seem reluctant to 
ingratiate herself into the family despite Shigamori's charity because obviously you'd be a little um, suspicious too if it's a if someone who's involved in this family who killed your father decides to like adopt you, be like, I don't know about this, but uh, it does seem that Shigamori is sincere and like wanting to extend this charity to her, and he sort of invites his family to do the same, just with with a few holdouts. Like one of his sons is sort of just rude and um, a little shit, just mean to the girl. Yeah, but then like uh, I believe it's their their grandfather that like. Uh, Chigamori's father, the, the bald-headed guy, he's sort of the leader of the family, and he sort of throws his political weight around when his one of his grandsons is sort of uh, harshly punished for not observing proper etiquette when a visiting dignitary passes by because he he was talking out of turn when a dignitary was passing and like the dignitary's people just beat the fuck out of this kid for not observing yeah. proper manners. And then the grandfather is like, you know what? Uh, I can fuck up too. So he like he embarrassed this like dignitary right back. So like this this whole thing. And going back and beat the um, the girl when she meets Shigamori's sister, she briefly interacts with her and she sees a vision of the future. Uh, she sees the the woman in this brief moment. It kind of spoke to her. She also saw this woman's impending death, where she's seemingly caught in a whirlpool. Yeah, it looks like she's gonna be. Uh, she'll be. Uh, she'll die by drowning, is what I'm gonna guess. Uh, take from that. And we're sort of left to wonder how much the girl's powers will in, in, will be able to affect the family, because Shigamori like wants to protect his family. And make, and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to him, but also it. it there's this sort of the catch twenty two is like yeah his family will live if she sort of if they're able to avert the future in any way, but also at the same time they seemingly would be able to perpetuate this like very destructive force they have politically. So I'm interested in the political intrigue and the story with this with uh, with you know everything involved in this family and this girl and like uh, with a lot of series this season like the animation is just immaculate. This is definitely one of like the best-looking series that's come out this season. Like, probably all year, honestly. For sure, it's absolutely beautiful. It's not just the uh, the visuals. For me, the, the OST, the soundtrack, was really good. I really like the opening, and I really love the outro. Yeah. And uh, all the music in between is just fantastic. Which is another thing we'll get to uh, later, is that there's a, a lot of really good music this season, too. Yes, there is. Hey, K Mono Guitar, the Hey K Story. Um, I'm definitely interested in watching this. I I feel a little grumpy though because I feel like oh shit, I gotta get a Funimation account to watch it though. But with with another one of the series that's on our list, I'd be willing to do to sub because there's like this one and probably the last one we'll talk about are I would say top tier looking series of the season. For sure, for sure, we'll definitely get to that. Because I agree with you 100%. Okay. All right. Moving right along to our second series. It uh, debuted Wednesday, September 25th. It is currently streaming on Netflix. It's called Blue Period, which follows the story of a, of a high school student who's fallen to a rut in, in his life. And a chance encounter with an art club at, high, at his school starts to open his mind to, dip to uh, different ideas and new ways of doing things. Uh, what do you think of Blue Period? 
I thought it was okay. Uh, I mean, it's just a first episode, but really, it didn't pull me in as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, personally, I mean, I'm not an artist full time, but I am an artist, you know, but just in a different way. Uh, so I, I guess that could be a reason why it didn't suck me in. But you're an artist, so you might have something uh, different experience, or you could have hated it. I don't know. <laughs> Blue period, more like poo period. Ugh. No, um, I did, I did like the uh, the series. I will say, of the five, it was uh, the weakest on my list. But it, I still felt it yeah. was a solid show. Um, I do think it's cool to to see this um, exploration uh, that person may get through the investigation of art. Um, I think I think it's a great way for people to like get introduced to art. And especially like a more traditional form of it, because uh, I, I, yeah. I think it was cool how that the main character he is he's very smart, he's very capable, but he seems to be taking the easiest route in a in a certain way. Like he's doing what's the most how should I put this the most practical thing. Like oh, what's the thing that's gonna get me the most money that'll get me the you know the most comfortable way of life. So he's he's sort of like going through the motions in his life. So nothing he he's doing is out of like passion or interest. It's just like what's the most convenient thing to do, and I'll do it. And and that's something he sort of struggles with because like when he's hanging out with his friends, which I, I thought were grown ass adults until they showed up at his school. Honestly, yeah, I thought it was like a college age or at least college age to thirties uh, anime because they were they were getting drunk, having fun at a, a bar. Yeah, they're like smoking cigarettes, like drinking beer, and they're just like, it's like, hey, s- sorry, bros, I gotta get to class. And it's like, okay, and he puts on like a high school uniform. I'm like, what the hell? It's like, why do these kids look so old? And do they, are, are there like the liquor and smoking licenses like m- much looser in Japan? I think the the drinking age is definitely lower. I don't know what it is exactly. I want to say 19. Yeah. M- maybe 16, but that's probably somewhere in Europe. I don't know exactly. Either way, there's some young kids getting crunk. <laughs> it's like, because there'll be bits where, like, later on in the, in the episode where they stay up, they talk about staying up all night at the bar watching soccer games, and then they're literally having one, at one point in the show, like, carried their drunk friend out of the bar, and he's, like, puking, and it's like, they stayed up till literally the next morning, and they're, like, trudging back home. Um, but I did think it was cool, like like, seeing his, like, growth as this character so it's to accept that it's okay to do things for passion and so yeah. that he's like he's kind of always never really given himself a chance to to find out what he likes so it's like oh i'll just do what's the most studious thing go to school get good grades and just kind of go along in this fashion and then i'll you know i just want to make my way through life like that which is like it's a, it's a way to succeed but it's like you're not enjoying anything to do because like when he tries to paint for the first time, he's so like, "Oh wait, I kind of like this. This is this is nice." And when he tries to to talk about his friends and uh, about sort of like a more elevated way of thinking, something that that's out of just sort of regular rote conversation, they sort of give him a strange look. It's like, "Oh, suddenly you're being like fancy and poetic." And, and so what? Because he, he comes to contact with this art club, we, we see a little bit of of them in this in this episode. There's like this 
tall girl who's, who's like more I guess more forward in her actions like oh you're you're just a kid who's not really applying himself you know why should I pay attention to you the Sundare character for the series the Sundare which is, I would say on a, on a scale of Sundare she's pretty like a soft Sundare because this is a fairly grounded show yeah she's she's not as bad as someone like Oscar or that's the only one that really comes to my mind. I hate this character. <laughs> Not this character, but this character type. Yeah. I don't like it at all. It's always been one that annoys me. Why are you being mean to me? <laughs> Just be nice. Be honest. So when he meets one of the girls in the art club, she's painting this, like, gigantic picture. Like, it's this canvas she carries on her back, and it's like, she's, like, five foot tall, and this canvas is, like, ten feet tall or something. It's absurd. But she's, like, doing this, like, oil painting essentially and she explained to him like what underpainting is and sort of the process of like how she's painted these and he's like intrigued and he he have like this uh his art teacher who's a little coy and sort of like sort of helps him sort of leads them along into figuring out what he wants to do like it's okay to do something for passion even if it's not even though it's not the best way that for example to like get financial gain but you know it's more fulfilling as as like a life direction to do something you enjoy even if you don't get you know all the money and accolades for it i will say the art in the show uh for like not just the animation animation's fine but the arts on the walls that were drawn for the showing that they had in this episode was really good even the main guy's art was pretty good for for the character who's never really done anything with art he has like a like I've seen like a pretty natural aptitude for for drawing, and what one thing I did appreciate is that when you see his initial drawings, they look like you know someone who doesn't really have like much training or education in art. It looks like something someone who, who you know doesn't have a lot of skill in it yet, but you know like has like a direction. And then when his his teacher sort of sort of redraws what he does as to show him a better way of doing it, you can see the difference and like. It seems like there's like actual art people made for the show that's not in the art this art style of the show. Yeah, they were giving actual legitimate tips that like uh, your art teacher would give. Because uh, I remember the perspective thing back in uh, middle school, where the teacher would be like, "Don't draw everything the same size." Uh, the example in the show was, "Don't draw everyone the same size. Uh, the people that are further away, draw them smaller because they are." Basically, giving this like this little crash course in what foreshortening is, and so like yeah. I, I think like with a lot of anime that have a specificity, you just you're just going to be like a lot of really interesting detail because that, that's something I always love, and anime in general, it's like, oh, I'm learning some stuff. It's like there's actual interesting trivia that comes up with like this with a very focused series that you you wouldn't think you would get somewhere else. So I, I do I do think it's worth to watch. I don't know if it just be something that I would watch just like week to week, but it's definitely something that I would probably check in on and and see what it is because it's it's definitely not a bad show in any regard. But of the five, it's the one I feel the least about, but it's still a, a very strong show. Yeah, uh, it's the weakest for me of our crop this season. Uh, I'm not gonna keep up with it, but I would say if you like art. And you're an artist, give it a go. You might like it. Uh, as somebody that took so many art classes through every year of high school and almost every year of middle school, 
It was just uh, assaulting my brain. It, it was a throwback to high school art classes. Which I had, that was my escape part of high school or and middle school where I felt safe and happy. But it also brings up bad memories. So thank you, anime. I'm reliving my trauma. But moving on to the next one we have, uh, I'm going to try to say Tat OP Destiny. Uh, it released Wednesday, October 6th. It is currently streaming on Crunchyroll. In this uh, post-apocalyptic world where m- music is a foreign concept, the world is besieged by these strange monsters can only be combated with the power of music and the powers of special individuals. Uh, what do we think of this series? I I really, really liked it. MAPPA, uh, what's the other studio that made it? But is it Bones? Oh my God. I don't I don't know. Let me you know what? Beep 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 beep. I'm gonna look it up. With this series like it's it takes a very interesting concept like music in this world doesn't exist because apparently in this world there was a meteorite that hit the earth and the the, the fragments of that meteorite gave certain individuals powers powers that were derived from music and they used that to combat the monsters that were sort of attacking in response to the man-made uh noise that humans have created so basically like it, like a magical anime version of um oh, god damn it what was that fucking movie uh god damn it what's it called the one with john krasinski and you can't talk in it oh uh quiet place That's it. it's like imagine a magical anime quiet place but you know with like people flying around and some really badass action with some of the best animation you can see from a fighting uh anime really uh, the other studio is madhouse it's, it's mappa and madhouse uh, if you want to know who Madhouse is, people behind One Punch Man, Season 1, and uh, Parasite, The Maxim. Yep. Those big, amazing anime. It is funny to me how I, I there was, the order I watched uh, these is very different from how we're going through them. So I'm like, I watched, okay, this is going to be the strong one this season. And then I watched another one, it's like, okay, this is going to be a strong one. And like Tat OP is like it was it was gonna be my favorite for a while. I, I watched some others, but it's even for a action based series, this is gonna be a, a definitely one to watch because the, the you have a, you have a trio of characters. You have this young boy who's sort of he's sort of the magician who knows how to play piano. He's has like this deep desire to play music, even though music is kind of outlawed due to a hat that a person known as like the grand maestro uh apparently he they're the, the strongest person of this sort of, of these powerful people who sort of help calm down the, the initial uh conflict between these creatures and the power users and so he's he doesn't have an opportunity to play music until he finds this one piano sort of like cordon off in this like sort of makeshift town and he starts uh, to play it, and everybody sort of stops and listens because uh, you, there, there's no music playing anywhere. Like there, there's an entire generation of children who've never heard of music because it's sort of been outlawed because it attracts these monsters. And sure enough, when he starts playing, another a monster shows up and starts to like wreck up the place. But then. A this his uh, counterpart, this girl who who acts very robotic, she shows up, and she's the one that actually does battle with the creatures because 
the boy he he his right arm disappears in a flurry of like rose petals and it becomes a baton that um appears in the hand of the girl and she like gets on like this battle dress outfit and she throws it back to him so he's like conducting her like a um like an orchestra and she uses like this weapon that's part sword part gun and she's flying zipping around fighting this monster and it's like pretty sick as they're like blowing through this town during their battle it's absolutely insane. It, it kind of reminds the way that they uh, work together. It reminds me of Soul Eater. Yeah. Uh, in a way, and also I just realized that the uh, in this universe, band kids are the most oppressed and the most powerful. <laughs> yeah, be, be careful who you make fun of in Bandcamp because they're going to save yeah, the world from music demons. Yeah, you just wait. The person playing that little drum, just hitting it over and over again. They're practicing, I know, but uh, they'll kill a demon in front of you. Yeah, they're 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 practicing for when they will become the uh, the powerful group in the world, and so um, the the trio is rounded out by this uh, the older sister quote of of the girl with the powers, and she's sort of the level head of the one. She's the one that keeps them both under reign. So it's just like quit fucking around. We gotta get to New York because the point because the whole series takes place in America. They're in I guess the uh, the West Coast somewhere. They gotta do a cross country tour to get to New York, where which whenever I was watching it, I was like I realized that every single thing that uh, it, that any Japanese media that takes place in America, they always have a classic diner playing this country music that's not really country music but it's supposed to be country music it's like this like just the facsimile of american country music through the lens of a japanese person i like it i really enjoy it i really liked it in final fantasy 15 and uh that's the only thing that's coming to my mind right now but it's in a bunch of other stuff too and um <laughs> like I, I, I really liked the the Japanese interpretation of America, like the whole like classic fifties diners and you know the the the, the West because I'm I, I think that's really interesting, you know when you have like the huge wide open spaces of America that a country that may have may not have that same level of like personal freedom and like maybe like geographical freedom i'm sure that's something like that's endearing about america and sort of to see like this anime road trip through anime america it's it's like it's kind of fun and yeah i assume that like where this diner's at it's in the middle of a desert it looks i want to say arizona-ish yeah because because they're and they got to get to new york people don't realize how big america is that is not like a one-day drive that is a few-day drive and it'd be like a fucking brutal drive too to drive literally from one end of the country to the other, and like that—that's in like the best of circumstances because like one, this is an apocalyptic afterworld, and two, there's all these fucking music demons around. Because literally, the big, the older sister, she pulls out a map that shows like a nest of where all these demons are, and it's like, okay, if we just take this one path, we can probably get through it with minimal incident. And then the homeboy's like, um starts playing this jukebox that sort of, like, wakes up a demon, and he's just like, oh, fuck, can we not do this right now? And then he's, um, him and the girl, they go to fight the monster, and they just get whooped right away. 
Just like yeah, like he she flies off because she is the weapon fighter, and as soon as he walks outside, he just falls face face down on the ground, knocked out cold. Yeah. In order to combat that, uh, the girl like runs like superhuman speed, runs back to that town there and picks up that piano on her back and runs back to the diner. And they, they form a plan because the demon is hanging, is like nesting in like this abandoned factory. And so he plays the piano. I guess like their powers are stronger when they actually are playing an instrument or playing music, not just like have a recording of music. So he, he sets up this trap in the factory, plays the piano, and they, they get they, they turn into battle mode. And, and the monster looks like this... It, it, all the monsters are different. But this one instance, it looks like kind of like an insect in its abdomen. It's this great purple, like, gem, like diamond. And it has, like, all these, like, little tiny bugs that it sends out. And, like, the ensuing fight is crazy. Like, I was like, holy shit, this looks amazing. Yeah, and the first demon monster was, like, a monkey uh, baboon. Like a gorilla-like type, like a primate-type design. Yeah, it's really cool. I really like the way they look. Uh, they're aliens, and they got these blue neon lights on them. Yeah. And so, like, it, 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 it's like because they have, like, this spherical gem, it kind of reminds me of um, the angels from Evangelion because you have to smash that to kill it. So when um, the girl, like, activates her super weapon, she turns her sword into a gun and shoots this big-ass laser through the gem of the inset huge like it looks so sick when she's like boring the laser through the dense gem and then there's a huge ass explosion and like the boy so the boy is kind of flippant about everything but then like in this moment he kind of like gets more serious and like finds a resolve to do this because what what's strange about this is even though the the girl like eats and sleeps they, they keep saying that we have to take her to new york for repairs so it's like what is like you know, the mystery? Like, is she human? Is she a cyborg? Because she talks about the older sister talks about they have an there is another sister they have that's in New York. I think she's not she's not with them presently. Yeah, I, I'm assuming uh, the repairs is because she's an instrument. Yeah, but technically, since she's like um, walking, talking, and stuff, is a cyborg. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna go with instrument. And uh, I think it's pretty neat, though, how, like, he has to use up his energy to somehow play this instrument. I don't fully understand it. They'll probably explain it yeah. uh, later on in a future episode, but from that first episode, he just gets tuckered out real easily. Yeah, because the, the girl, she requires, like, food to maintain herself, but then, like, he needs energy to, like, I guess, kickstart the process and, like, maintain it because w- without him she doesn't have powers because he has to like activate it and then it's, it's like this it's like a feedback loop they sort of like power each other in a way but he sort of starts to circuit in, in any case I, I i'm really looking forward to finish like, to watching this because like this is like if you're if you're looking for an action series to watch this is definitely like up on the list for to check and plus it's on country roll and about about everybody has that too yeah, it's on a it's on my watch list for sure. It's something I want to keep up with. Yeah, and moving on to our next one, which is also on Crunchyroll, we have Sakugan, which started Thursday, October seventh. And this story is about a young uh, young girl prodigy who lives with her father in an underground society, and how she wants to break 
out of just like a simple mining job and go explore the underground. Unfortunately, the underground is it's teeming with deadly life, and the um, the site itself it, it seems to be more fragile on on the surface. And she has to try to convince her father to to explore the world beyond. What do you think of Sakugan? I thought it was a, a really vibrant, fun little anime up to one point. Yeah. I really, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy my time with it. But man, there was one point that really caught me off guard. Yeah? Uh, what was, what uh, was that part? It was uh, when uh, this one girl that was really good friends with the little girl uh, and her dad get inside this little mech suit in this demon this is a. We'll probably get to this later, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. This demon just straight up obliterates both of them easily, just right off the bat. I thought it would be some cool fight sequence, but no, they get absolutely murked right, right from the get go, right there. And what it's you know we'll we get back to that, but um, I like I did like the world, like it's like this really cool industrious underground city, and like the the little girl and her father have like this this like animosity between them like that they're always because the show opens with the little girl being chased by like this man with a gun but then you kind of see as the chase unfolds that this is part of like their game their ritual like she wants to get away and like do her own thing he's like no you're gonna stay here so they like plan traps for each other like literally she gets pulled up in a net then he gets pulled up by his leg it's like this looney tunes kind of thing like this road running and this road runner and wally coyote sort of business cuz she's like a 7 year old girl but she's super smart and uh she's progressing through i think she's already graduated high school or something like that she really wanted to become uh, uh the the special mech driver person yeah because like there's there's these mechs that are used to like do the like the labor and like digging and mining and then you have this separate breed of mechs that's used for exploration and like just like exploring the underground and like kind of filling in the corners of the map which is where as we mentioned the uh, r.i.p the other father daughter uh duo in the series that we're introduced to and the father, the, that's the secondary father figure is, is sort of like trying to convince the first father uh, to kind of like let her do her own thing. You know, you, you kind of have to, even though this is a scary world, you kind of like have to give your kid room to grow. But at the same time, I'm kind of on the first father's side. Like, she is seven years old. I mean, she may be like a, a super genius, but yeah, it's like she's still like a little kid, like less than 10 years old. And you know, there's, yeah, he's like, there's a point in the episode where he's, he goes up to her when she's sleeping in bed. He's like, please just stay a little kid for a little bit longer. And he falls asleep right next to her. Yeah. And it's fucking sad. And cause that is something that happens to like real life prodigies. You know, there's very young children because of like their skills or intellect. They're sort of, thrust into a more adult world he's like oh you're so good you kind of have to participate on this high level you know and and make things for an adult world so i feel like this sort of gift that they have of of, of just like abundance intelligence is sort of comes at a sacrifice of their childhood so so i can see like why he wants her to and and nothing else just be like enjoy being a kid like you only get to be a kid once don't leave adult stuff to adult stuff you'll get there soon enough but I, I did like the relationship that um, the girl had with the older girl. Uh, she literally calls calls her um, 
Onesan, she, she treats her like a big sister. And then, you know, fortunately, they get lasered to death and explode at the end of the episode. <laughs> but I guess, like, that was sort of the inciting incident for the father to be like, you know, fuck this. this the world's fucked up. You only got one chance, so let's get out there and do what we like. Yeah, like, your any, any innocence you had left over is gone. You just watched your older sister uh, get destroyed right in front of you. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the little girl, she kind of, like, spurred into, uh, like, kind of reaching out beyond like the the bounds of the city because there's a legend of this a woman who supposedly had charted the entire outer world of this underground society by herself and there's like a record of it that appears in this gym that's like etched inside this gym that shows up at her house and it's sort of sort of mysterious because the little girl had a dream about a tower on the surface surrounded by flowers under a night sky. Uh, she had this dream about it and she drew it down. And then later on in the episode, a photograph of that same picture shows up at their door with that like map gem. So like, is she seeing the future? Like, what is this about? This like extra level of intrigue. This was the first one I watched. I was like, okay, this is a pretty good looking series. It's got some action. That see where it's gonna go. And then like I kept watching more. It's like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't the best one this season, but it's still a pretty solid show. Yeah, it's visually it's very pretty. It reminds me of Kill a Kill in a lot of ways. The font, the style of the characters, just everything. Yeah. Well, not story mode wise or how erratic and crazy it is, but visually. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of like real depth and detail in this city because, you know, you just a stratified underground town. So you, there are definitely moments where the camera lingers. You see like a lot of the little details kind of like pressed away in the corners of this city. Oh, and the obvious uh, comparison Gurren Lagan. Yeah. Gurren Lagan takes place underground mining facility. Yeah. Little boy finds a drill, drills out, and wants to escape and explore the world. Actually, this is just Gurren Lagann. It's Gurren Lagann, but but they go down instead of up. Because I feel like they'll, yeah. they'll get to the surface eventually, but like the the main exploration seems to be like the greater under-earth world. Uh, so um, I I think it's a recommendation for me. Like It, it was a lot of fun. It kind of ends on a really bleak note. It's like, oh, two cool characters, they're dead, but, you know, there's adventures to be had. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I definitely want to check it out and see uh, if it picks up a little bit more in the future, because I, I enjoyed the first episode. Yeah, it's a it's a father-daughter adventure, and I think uh, there's some there's some real legs here for, for the rest of the show. And coming to our final anime series of the episode... We're talking about Osama Ranking, a.k.a. Ranking of Kings. It's just started Friday, October 15th. It is currently streaming on Funimation. And this is, is in a medieval fantasy world where a tiny prince who cannot speak or hear lives a very uh, adventurous life despite the negligence and disinterest of his royal surroundings. And his life changes when he meets a, a strange shadowy creature while out for a walk. Uh, what do we think of Ranking of Kings? I absolutely loved it. This was the first one I started with and was like, oh my god, this is absolutely fantastic. Everything about it is amazing. This little character is cute as hell. The soundtrack's amazing. The character design for everyone is really good. It it uh, uses 
these older uh, Japanese, these anime styles and brings them back. Kind of like how uh, Naoki Urasawa does with his uh, characters. It's, it's so good. Yeah, because this is definitely in a non-traditional anime style. It, it feels almost Western in a sense and like how the characters are designed and like everything is just so lush and beautiful. Like you just like you see the painterly marks in like the background and the grass and like the setting. Like it's so gorgeous. It, 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 this is this was my favorite of the, of the crop that we watched. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. And this this is my favorite. I loved all the characters. Like every even the ones you you see just from a moment have enough visual character to make you want to find out more. And it's just like, it feels like a living storybook because like that, it's just felt so like charming and like childlike whimsical. And I'm interested to see like the dynamic between like this little shadow character called Kage. He kind of looks like a puddle kind of with like two eyes and a little like appendage that looks like a, like a, uh, a beetle's horn. It kind of like acts as his mouth. And all he wants is some clothes. He just wants to steal your clothes. Because um, he, cause he's, cause the little boy is walking out in the woods and he, and he sees Kage. And Kage like pulls out a knife and is like, give me your clothes. You're a prince. You give me money. And so the little boy just sort of hands over his stuff freely. And he, he keeps going back day after day to give him stuff. So like not realizing that he's been <laughs> rooked in a, in a certain sense. But he, he does seem to have a certain level of attachment to Kage because even though the boy can't hear or speak, he, he does know some sign language and like through body gestures and lang- body language, Kage kind of susses out what his deal is. And like basically Kage, even though he was stealing from him, was the only one that kind of treated, gave him the time of day because the rest of the royal consort sort of looks at him as like a failure and an afterthought because he was the firstborn son of the king who's like this giant, I mean, literally giant strapping warrior because when Boji the prince it's like stands up next to your father, he's literally like a bug next to his finger. Like he's, like I, the scale is kind of fucking with my head a little bit because I can't tell how big he is and how big the dad is. He could do the same way with the mom too. The mom, that the Boji's mother had passed away at some point. Before the show started. Yeah, she's the evil witch mother. That's what she is. Because he, he, the the king remarried to like this like snooty girl who like literally has a long like snoot nose, and uh, they have a, a child who is sort of everything that Boji isn't. Like he's smart, he's capable. Like literally, he's a child, but he's already like able to like be like an accomplished adult warrior. Like essentially, he has the makings of a great king. And the, the title, Ranking the Kings, comes from the standing of any given kingdom is sort of put on the back of how strong in, the kings are. And Boji's father, Boson, was like this um, giant, you know, you know venerated warrior. Like, he was kind of like, he saved this town from like an, an invading like ogre army and be, through that, his his wherewithal in battle, he's able to like to raise this town up into a kingdom, and now he's like on his sick bed, and they're kind of putting their hopes on the princes to take over for their father because he like he could kind of kick the bucket any day now. I will say, Boson does seem to be distant to his first son, but he, he does seem to genuinely care for him. 
Yeah, because like he knows his son uh, has disability, but he still loves him and he wants him to have a chance at being king. It's not like he wants uh, him to die, get out of the way, so your brother can be, be king. Which is what how his stepmother thinks, like the wicked stepmother. He actually really uh, cares for him, and we get to see that he is his father's son in a certain way. Because uh, every uh, scene beforehand gets, makes you think he's not. It doesn't seem like he's related to his father. Like, like he's just sort of like really absent-minded. He sort of seems to be like left to center. Like he doesn't. He's like he's not in the real world because he, you know, he walks through the town like a little nod to the emperor's new clothes, where he's in his underwear, and everybody's like, "What is this weird kid's problem?" And but then, um, because the little boy is being tutored by the the kingdom's greatest uh, knight, um, who, who's also teaching the boy sign language, which I thought was cool. So the knight is sort of like a little exasperated with like how. Bozy has like no capability as a warrior. Like he can't really figure out how to fight. So when the the stepbrother or half brother, I should say, shows up, somehow eight years old but has the ability of an, an, a grown man. Now the knight is just sort of super excited. It's like, oh, he could be what I'm looking for. I want to teach this kid how to fight because like he actually kind of has to try halfway. And, like then dies or whatever when the 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 half brother fights and he just bonks him on the head. And the half brother is kind of like a, a pill to you, like he's kind of an asshole. But sort of, but the the half brothers like face off in combat. Boji on one side and his and his brother on the other. And while his brother has like genuine combat skill and ability, he can't land a hit on Boji because even though Boji can't fight at all, he has this super like this heightened ability to like read body movements, and he can he dodges every single one of his abilities. And one of the guards that was watching them fight, he's like, I don't know how this fight will go. Little Boji's going to get his ass kicked unless what I witnessed a few weeks ago wasn't a fluke. Because a few weeks ago before the fight happened, he w- witnessed a little Boji surrounded by snakes. And he thought he was sh- for sure done for. But as soon as the snakes attacked, he was able to dodge every single snake flawlessly. So... Watching him do it twice, he realized, oh my god, he is the king's son. He has a special ability here in the way that he can dodge and, like, I guess perception? I, I don't know what this is. Yeah, because I guess in in a way because the boy, he can't hear or speak, he has to, like, perceive the world around him a different way. He has to pay more attention to body language. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm coming from just at, 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 from the angle of, like, I'm hard of hearing, so I, I sort of graduate sort of like naturally went towards noticing how people move and speak like just from their body language so like i'm more observant in a way of other people and how they act so i think in at least in that thinking that that's where his like supernatural ability to be like like neo in the matrix and just dodge everything is sort of coming from obviously being anime it's heightened to the nth degree but like it's like it was gorgeous to watch like when he was like dodging the states when he was like fighting his half-brother. Like, everything in this show is just so crisply and deftly animated. It's just like, even though everything's in a very simple storybook style, it's all done to, like, to maximum effect. And um, a little bit more on Kage, um, he sort of infiltrates the castle because he has sort of this, like, begrudging interest in the in the in Boji. So he's, like, souping around trying to find where Boji is. 
And there's like, and he kind of feels bad because he has been stealing his clothes. Yeah. So like, oh, he's he's like he was being nice. To me. He he was giving to me not because I threatened him, because like he wanted to give me something. So it's kind of like, oh shucks. And then we find out that Kage is part of like this this clan, the like these like creatures that once uh, served the royalty, but then turned their backs on it. They were sort of rubbed out, and he's seemingly the last one. And this is given to like one of the four, like knights, one of the, like the four big powers of the of the kingdom outside of the king himself is just like snake charmer man with like a crooked blade, and so he like he controls like this army of snakes, and there's kind of like this implication that that he sick those snakes on Boji weeks ago because uh, the snake guy he's kind of in cahoots with the evil stepmother who's kind of like. Ah, this this dumb this dumb first son he can't do anything why can't my son take the reign even though he's better so there's 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 like some subterfuge going on but um this is far and away my favorite and talking about music the music in this show was fantastic I loved the outro for this show too yeah I I want all the music from Hiking Monogatari and this on Spotify so I can just put it in my playlist I need it. I need it because like I, I'm gonna admit because like the uh, the outro is like really sweet and like like honestly I teared up listening to the outro because it, it was like super cute because it has in a, in a, in a even more like childlike storybook style um Heike not Heike excuse me uh Kage is like wandering around in the woods at night and then Boji shows up and they're kind of like running around like kind of like chasing each other and they sort of like lay back in the grass, arms across, like, each other's shoulder towards, like, Stargate. And it's, like, it's a really sweet, tender moment. And it's, like, oh, God, this is going to be just, like, a really, just, like, feel-good, a wholesome show to watch. I'm for sure going to watch the rest of this. Uh, I've only seen the first episode, but i got to watch the rest. So, of the five that we watched, what would be your top three? What would be the ones you're definitely wanted, you want to keep up with the most? Uh, number one, obviously, summer ranking. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go with, uh, oh, it's pretty hard, actually. I'm gonna go Tacked Op Destiny, and then number three, AK Monogatari, because those three ruled. I have the same three, just in a different order. My number one is Ranking of Kings, then AK Monogatari, and then Tacked OP Destiny. With, those are our top three. Those are, like, definitely go out of your way to seek those out, if you aren't already watching because these have been out for a minute, but definitely, if you're like us and hasn't stuff to do, and you need a little like little idea what to check out, these are our top three that you definitely should seek out. And not to say Blue Period and Sakugan aren't are bad in any means. It's just of of this batch, they were sort of our lesser favorite, but they're still solid series. You can't, you know, if you choose to watch them, you're not going to be disappointed. I don't think. And and just so you know, this is just a very small sampling. The fall anime lineup is huge. Yeah, I had to make it to where it was a small amount because it was such a last-second thing. And uh, I had to remove so many, and I had to swap some out because they weren't out, actually, just yet. Yeah. Whenever I made the list, I was like, ooh, I don't know if we'll have that. But now it's later in the season, so everything should be out. And there's a lot that's out. Yeah, like, there there are a couple I watched. um, the, The new Digimon, I liked it. Comey Can't Communicate, that's also on Netflix. I think that'll be an interesting one. Because um, I, 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 that, that was a really well-done animation, and I really like how they incorporate sound effects into the show. Um, I know the premise might be a little 
grading because with it because like there's this girl who who's too shy to talk to the world to like the whole whole show is like kind of giving her worked up to speak in front of pop up but of course like her anxiety is like ratcheted up to the anime uh limits but i think i think it's a solid show like you know there's a ton of stuff out there so just let this be sort of like a uh a starting point for your anime watching this season because there is so much going on and i think you're going to be well served this season because it's just like an embarrassment of riches almost yeah and and that's not with this season uh fall winter comes next and winter's already looking pretty good uh, and even future seasons, I don't know when they're going to hit, but we got Mob Psycho Season 3 coming back. Yep. We're definitely going to cover it whenever its first episode drops. Uh, and then Chainsaw Man, I don't know when that's going to drop. It's sometime, I just need sometime it. in 2022, maybe? I, I If I had to guess, maybe uh, fall next year, because there's a character that's uh, Halloween-themed. Yeah. So... Uh, Maybe late summer. I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, summer... Cause I guess Halloween could be in summer in Japan because they, there's a lot of, like... Because that's kind of like the, the spiritual part of their year. A lot of spooky stuff comes out around then. But in any case, we have a lot going on right now in anime and even more on the horizon that's just as exciting. So we hope you enjoy this season and look forward to the seasons ahead because we'll definitely be covering that as well. So thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, wherever podcasts are found, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Anchor. We're all on there. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe on all those platforms. Keeps us visible, puts us fun of you listeners. We always appreciate you when you do it. If you're listening to this to the week it comes out, on Monday, October 25th, we release episode 235. All you can hear are cult and our other friends on AYCH, we did the slasher tournament where we were each randomly assigned a Hollywood slasher creature and character, and we debated to see who was the best in a five-way tournament. And on Tuesday, October 26, Tanner and his guests released a new episode of The Late Takes, where they did a special retrospective on the very unique, very creepy former WWE wrestler, The Fiend. And on October Thursday the 28th, the Cage crew over on KG Greatness has a double feature where we, where we reviewed Ghost Rider 1 and Ghost Rider 2 Spirits of Vengeance, and that's a very interesting duology there. I gotta say, the group at Cajun Greatness, they're brave, because all I see is them constantly watching terrible movies. Uh, we, we definitely run the gambit of quality. Really high peaks and some uh, really high lows. But I feel like that's all uh, makes for interesting content, I believe. Yeah, it's either four stars and up or two stars and lower. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you kind of get the, the best of both worlds there. Heaven and hell. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. John lost his name. I'm on Facebook. John lost his name, Art. Uh, my name is Cole. Follow me on Twitter, ColeD00. Uh probably find me on letterbox of that as well uh, if not cult d99 i don't know i've got so many numbers everywhere i don't know what they mean yeah thank you have a good night and we'll be talking to you very soon take care bye bye